You're listening to the Solo to CEO podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Solo to CEO podcast, where we provide a mix of powerful, thought-provoking, and practical information to assist you in your transformation from solo to CEO of a high-impact, high-revenue-generating business. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here with Laura Arcaro, founder and CEO of the Arcaro Law Group, based in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Arcaro Law Group practices exclusively in the area of family law and is known particularly for its experience handling international child abduction cases. Welcome, Laura. I'm so happy to have you as my guest today on the Solo to CEO podcast. Thank you for having me, Davina. I'm happy to be here. Great. So tell me uh, a little bit more about Arcaro Law Group and, um, you know, when I say family law for, for lawyers, we know exactly what family law is, but for lay people, they may not know what family law is. So tell us uh, exactly what that means, family law. That's a great question because I think as lawyers, we do assume that people understand that, but there are lots of things that are important to families. In our firm, we practice in the areas of, um, we call it marital and family law. We do divorce, paternity cases, establishing um, parental rights, child custody cases, alimony, property distribution. Um, We also do prenuptial and postnuptial agreements. Um, And we also do practice in the area of international child abduction law, and we have reunited parents with their children who were abducted from another country um, and brought here. So that is really uh, particularly interesting, and we're going to get into that. I have lots of questions about that. Um, But before we go down that path, uh, let's uh, talk a little more generally about the firm and give us an indication of like the size of your firm, how many lawyers do you have and, um, you know, how long you've been in practice and that kind of thing? Sure. I've been in practice for 10 years this year, graduated from Nova Southeastern University in 2009. Um, and I started my firm in, uh, in 2011, the end of 2011. Um, but when I started, it was just myself with a desk and a computer and a printer. Um, And that was it. And at this point, we have two full-time attorneys. We have an associate, Chantal Gruyon, who has been with us for going on three years now. Um, She is also a Florida licensed attorney. And part-time, my husband, Timothy Arcaro, also practices with us. Tim is a professor of law at Nova Southeastern University. And so when the school year is ongoing. He has other obligations to the school. Um, but during the summer, he comes and uh, helps out here at the firm with cases. We also have a law clerk who just graduated from law school and has taken a leave of absence from our firm to study for the bar. And we're hoping that she'll be able to rejoin us in uh, in September. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so, so tell me, what motivated you to start your own practice? I have always had an entrepreneurial streak, even as a child. Um, My mom likes to tell the story about how I dug up the ferns out of her yard, replanted them in styrofoam cups, and sold them to the neighbors for 25 (laughs) cents a piece. 
that's fine. I was really happy with that, and she was not. Um, <laughs> and I, I enjoy business. I have a master's degree in health administration and a focus on financial management. So that process was all about budgeting and profitability and revenue. Um, and then when I went to law school, uh, that was a very different path for me. I started law school with the goal of passing along the very good advice that I got when I was divorcing. I had two very young children, and the advice that I received was that uh, we were putting together a path to move forward and making a plan to get on that path for co-parenting, coexisting, and financial security in the future. So yeah. I wanted to be able to provide that to other families who were going through the same process. And, you know, that is, um, that's very interesting, too, because I know, you know, I've known you for quite a while now, and um, uh, you are one of those people who really loves practicing family law. And, and it, if anybody knows um, a lot of attorneys, as you and I do, you know, you'll know that attorneys fall on one side of the fence or other when it comes to family law. They either love it or hate it. I mean, we're, we're usually not neutral about how we feel about practicing family law. It's either I really love practicing family law or I hate practicing family law and I never want to practice practice it, right? Divorce mm -hmm. law. That's true. We call That's it, true. Right? And you fall on the side of the fence of I really love it. And um, and so tell us what it is that you love about, about practicing family law. Well, I think for, I, I have noticed that people do fall into one of those two camps. And I think it's the difference in focus on the fight at hand, the here and now. We're in the trenches of a divorce case and nobody agrees on anything. We can't agree that the sun rises in the east. Um, but I like to take a different focus toward the future. If we just focus on the here and now and focus on the fight, we really lose sight of what this process is supposed to be about which is untangling the finances, taking people from two household, I'm sorry, one household into two, figuring out how they're going to co-parent going forward, how they're going to coexist with each other, how this is going to affect their children, and taking a longer range view. So as an attorney, I could add fuel to the fire and make this really difficult and bitter and, you know, implement a scorched earth tactic, which is going to be very harmful, I think, to both of the parties and to their children if they have children. Um, and that just doesn't do anyone a service. I, I would like to focus on the path ahead and acknowledging that the marriage or the relationship may be over. What's next? How do we take this couple and move them ahead to what's next in their life. It's not often um, when I was going through this, I realized that I was able to make a fresh start and I could make the most of that fresh start that I wasn't expecting, but we all get a fresh start every day. Um, so it's important to be able to realize that and to make use of the tools that are at our disposal to take advantage of that. Right. Right. That, I, and I love that. I love that perspective and the way that you, what you bring to the table when you talk about that. But you also are not one to shy away from the fight if it's necessary. You definitely are a litigator. You know, oftentimes um, one of the challenges I think with 
uh, people getting into, with attorneys getting into family law and being family law attorneys is they don't really uh, like the litigation aspect. And, um, but that is one part for you. You don't really shy away from the fight if it's, <laughs> if it's necessary. Sure. It's a process. It's a process and there are procedures that are set in place by our rules of civil procedure and by divorce law. And sometimes having the fight is just part of that process. But having the fight doesn't mean it has to be nasty. Um, You know, it just means getting a judge to make a decision when parties disagree or having that prompt, having that judicial oversight to make sure that the that the case continues to move forward in a timely manner. I think that sometimes is where people misunderstand the nature of the fight. We don't have to be mean to each other or to the parties. Um, It doesn't have to be ugly. It can still be managed in a professional way, even if we're going to court over these issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I try to do that with all of my cases. Right. So shifting back to the international child abduction cases. Now that's a really interesting uh, nuance uh, to a family law practice. Want to tell me a little bit more about, uh, first of all, about that area of practice and then how you came to um, get involved in it and kind of um, develop uh, that as a focus for your, for or a significant part of your practice? So the Hague Convention on the Civil Aspects of International Child Abduction is an international treaty, and the United States is a member of this treaty and is a treaty partner with about 80 countries around the world. Not every country is a member, and the United States has not recognized every other country. But it's a mechanism to use civil courts to facilitate a speedy or prompt return of children to their home country where the custodial dispute should be. The purpose is to discourage parents from engaging in forum shopping where one parent might take a child to another country thinking that they will get a more favorable custodial result. And that's not really fair. If all of the child's activities, the child's life, their contacts, their school record, their extended family, et cetera, are in their home country, then that's really the place that is most appropriate to decide a child custody action. Mm-hmm. So these cases are interesting because we have to be up to speed very quickly on the nature of custodial rights in other countries. Um, Many countries have models of parental rights that are very similar to the U.S., but some countries do things very differently, and that's their right to do so, to have their own sovereign uh, say over what parental rights should be and what that should look like for their country. Um, And we just facilitate the return of the children to the most appropriate country. There are also times when we represent the alleged abducting parent. For example, you might have a parent who is fleeing persecution or fleeing political unrest in another country or fleeing domestic violence in a relationship. And those may be very compelling reasons for the court not to return a child back to their home country. And so we do represent um, 
both the alleged taking parent and the left behind parent. One of the ways that I got involved in this kind of work is that the U.S. State Department has put together a network of attorneys so that parents in other countries can request assistance through the State Department and be given a short list of attorneys who would be interested in helping with their case. And the theory is that if the United States makes attorneys available, uh, or at least has this referral service available, then it helps facilitate our citizens with the return of their children from abroad. That That is really fascinating. And so uh, tell me a little bit more about how you sort of got into it to begin with, because I know that y- your husband was sort of instrumental in in that as well. He sort of has an expertise in this area, doesn't he? Right. Tim is an expert on Hague Convention work and has testified as an expert in several cases. Um, he's been doing this kind of work for over 20 years with many different, involving many different countries. Um, and so he, I had never heard of the Hague Convention until he was telling me about his favorite part of practicing family law. And I thought that that sounded interesting and intriguing and like something that nobody else really does. And so uh, as a brand new attorney 10 years ago, I put my name on the State Department list. My first case, I took on a pro bono basis and returned a child to the Dominican Republic. And from there, immediately thereafter, um, I retained my next client, which was, was a return of children to Denmark. And since then, this, uh, the referrals keep coming. We've been able to establish our expertise here in Broward County uh, in doing these cases in federal and in state court. And you actually went to The Hague, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago? And We did. Yes, Tim is teaching, uh, and we're headed there again this summer to the Netherlands. Um, the Hague is a city in the Netherlands where the International Court of Justice is located, and that's where the Hague Convention was developed. So we'll be there. We'll be able to tour the Hague and see where the magic happened um, way back in the 80s when this treaty was developed. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine this has been a very interesting journey, and you've had some really interesting cases and probably some difficult cases, because I I can imagine emotions run really high um, in this type of work. They do. Um, And I think in family law in general, it's important to, as as the attorney, especially to be able to get control of those emotions and remember the legal issues that we're here to solve. Um, I, I know that children's best interests are important to the courts, for example. And I trust that my clients uh, are going to put their children's interests first and foremost. And so I don't worry about the children. I give the parents the tools that they need to make good decisions in court and afterwards to help their children. And when we're talking about our abduction cases, most of these children are very, very young. Um, and their parents have made decisions that impact, tremendously impact these children's lives. It could mean that you have, in one case, we had siblings being raised on different continents, one in Europe and one here in Florida. And 
that just didn't seem right to me. But that's a decision that arose out of their parents' actions. Um, we have other cases where it can be heartbreaking to see a, a child believe that if I go back to my parent, my left-behind parent, I won't see my other parent again. And um, frequently, the taking parent can say things to the child that really creates this emotional distress for the child. Um, the, the responsibility for that falls squarely on the parent for the decisions that they've made. Um, so we're just focusing on the legal issues to try and, and put the kids in the right jurisdiction to make these decisions um, and then give the parents the tools that they need to go forward in court in that jurisdiction. For example, a, a parent who brings a child to Florida and refuses to return back to their home country can always go back and ask that court to relocate. Just because they go back to their original country doesn't mean that they'll never be back here. There are ways to do it. There are ways to do it legally. And that's the purpose of, uh, of handling these cases under the Hague Convention. Oh, really? That's fascinating. It's, it's a fascinating. It sounds like a fascinating area to practice under. It really is. It's something new every day. I'm sure. Because you're dealing with so many different um, jurisdictions. I mean, you never know. You're probably always learning. I mean, you're just always learning something new because every case you get, you're, you're learning about something, a, a new jurisdiction. It's a new jurisdiction. It's a new country. Um, we need to learn about that country's parental custody laws and even the way the law is changing here in the U.S. and recognition of um, parental rights for children who are born in same-sex marriages, for example. That's not something that was widely recognized until fairly recently. And there, and there is still some dispute over the parentage of children born to same-sex couples um, and making sure that both parents' parental rights are recognized and respected is really important. We also see a lot of parents um, where the children are born out of wedlock and their parental rights, the status of the, their parental rights continues to change as the law evolves as well. So mm -hmm. it's not just learning about other countries, which we have to get up to speed on pretty quickly, but even our own changing domestic laws. Right, right. Wow, what a, I bet that really keeps it very interesting for you. It keeps your, it keeps your career very interesting and ever evolving. And, and it is something different, you know, every week. Every family that goes through a divorce or a relationship breakdown or an abduction case, they have similar issues, but each family is unhappy in its own very unique way. And so it's important to, to not just apply a blanket approach to each of these. Um, instead, our approaches are really tailored to each family's individual needs their priorities, their desires, because it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, shifting gears uh, uh, a little bit, I, I do want to talk before we run out of time today, I do want to talk about the business of your practice and kind of what that experience is like and the growth of your firm from when you started out, you know, you, a desk and a computer to where you are now um, and your solo to CEO journey so far. And I know that there's 
a lot more for you ahead for you, <laughs> more, more growth, you know, right. <laughs> um, but I do want to talk about where you've come from and, and kind of some of the experiences you've had along the way. Uh, you know, I've known you th through some of that process and, um, and hiring your first uh, attorney and what that was like mm -hmm. and um, all of that. So can you give us a little bit of insight into maybe some of the, maybe some of the things that you think were some of the biggest challenges so far in your, in your growth journey and growing your firm from solo to CEO, making that shift? Well, one of the important things for me in deciding to open my own firm was as a single mom at the time of two very young children, I needed flexibility. Um, I wanted that, I needed that, and it seemed like the best way for me to have control over my own schedule was to control my workplace and open my own firm. Um, my children are my priority. They're now teenagers, but um, they only idolize me for a short season of time, and that flies by. And what I've realized as my business has grown and changed significantly is that the cases and the clients and the financial rewards that go with that will be there when I'm ready for them. And mm -hmm. there are ebbs and flows in life, and the best part about being the CEO of my own firm is that I can I can ride those ebbs and flows um, with the firm. Right, right. And I know you've made some changes to um, in the last year or so to kind of take back some of your time to have some time have some more time for you. Mm -hmm. um, my, based on kind of some you had some sort of health you know, some things with your health that indicated to you that you needed to take a little bit more personal time for you as well. Sure. And I think as as women and as entrepreneurs, as lawyers who care and enjoy the the work that we do, it's very easy to, um, to get off balance in many ways. Um, and it's important to be able to balance that desire and that drive for a growing and thriving law firm and law practice with a healthy, a healthy life, a healthy family life, a healthy personal life. Um, those, those challenges are still here every day. Um, and maybe I, I may not have experienced the same challenges as others. We all have our own different challenges um, because I started my firm at a different stage in my life. But, um, but I think we all still have that same fundamental challenge of being able to balance. And what I found is when I had to take a leave of about two months from my firm to deal with my, my spine surgery, um, the firm was still there. The work still got done. The clients were still serviced. And I give you know great thanks and tremendous gratitude to my husband and to my associate and to everybody who pitched in and made sure that things continued to roll along as they should. And sometimes when we're the ones in charge, it's hard to step back and, and realize, hey, this will continue on. It will be okay. I don't have to put my fingerprint on every last thing that happens in the office. I can delegate and it will happen and it will be okay. Now, part of that, uh, though, I have to say, you have to give some credit where credit is due. And that is you, because when I, when I met you, you actually didn't have that infrastructure in place. 
you you didn't have an attorney yet to uh uh, you didn't have an associate yet, so you had actually put you actually put work to get an infrastructure in place. Um, and at that point, you didn't know you were going to be having spine surgery in the future or anything like that. So you worked to build a firm to be able to do that. Had you been a true solo, maybe with one assistant, you would not have been in a position to do that. So that's you, true. You created a firm that allowed you the freedom to do that. That's true. And and again, giving credit where credit is due, um, I worked very closely with you over the course of several months to develop a plan to get to that point. And not, you know, none of us have the, the crystal ball to see what's going to happen in the future. But I knew that the the challenges were ahead. The balance issues are always going to be there, I think, for all of us who run our own businesses, large or small. And you were so helpful in helping me put together a framework to grow the firm, to put in that infrastructure, to make it so that I didn't have to be here every second of the day. Um, I didn't have to do it all myself. It's okay to to delegate. Um, As somebody, I don't usually think of myself as a control freak. Maybe there are certain things in my life that I am sort of freakish about controlling and I have learned to, to let go of some of that because there are systems that that we developed and put in place with your coaching and guidance. Oh, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. But that you you did all that hard work. And, you know, none of us think of ourselves as control freaks. <laughs> we don't none of us want to admit that. Uh, so we'll just we'll just keep that our little secret. Right. Uh, but, you know, that uh, that it pays off though when things happen that we don't expect. And then we know that we have a team that we can count on and you've, you've done a great job with your hires because it's wonderful to hear, you know, Chantel has been there for three years now and she's probably really grown a lot over, over time. She has, she's been a, just a tremendous asset to our firm. Um, We probably took a bit of an unconventional approach um, in how we, developed her as an attorney because we, you know, when we started out, we didn't set a minimum number of billable hours that she had to hit because she's a new lawyer. She's learning. There are going to be things that that need to be done on a case that we can't bill a client for, but would still have to be done. So as long as the work was getting done and the learning was happening um, and, and we would give her cases, I think the day after she was uh, admitted to the bar and actually sworn in, she had to cover a hearing because we were in court on a Hague Convention case. So it was really um, get your experience quickly. <laughs> and, you know, she is is very independent and very capable of taking big cases to trial. Um, she has fully prepared them and we're we're very excited to have her as a member of our team. So before we wrap up, would you tell, is there any other sort of little nuggets of wisdom that you want to share with uh, somebody else who might be on that solo to CEO journey kind of behind you, you know, coming along? Um, What other things would you share with them? Um, A couple of things that I was thinking about is that it's important to think about what your own definition of success is, um, because my firm doesn't look like everybody else's firm, and it doesn't have to. 
And I think it's important for anyone running a business to decide what their goal is for that business. Are you looking to have a statewide firm with offices in every city? Or if you are a business that sells a product, do you want your product to be on the shelf in every store? Or are you looking to have a smaller firm with fewer employees, maybe more of a boutique experience, um, or have a boutique sort of, of product, a niche type of environment? Um, because I think so many of us are sort of pre-programmed to think bigger is better. We have to grow. We have to expand. And that just may not be the right thing for the business owner, for the people that work in it, or for that particular time or season in their life. And that's okay. But it should be something that's thought through and something that's intentional. And the other, the other factor I would, I would encourage people to think about is don't wait until you think it's the right time to step out there and take a risk. Um, when I first moved into the building where my law firm is now, I didn't see how we were going to be able to afford it. But I had to believe that we were going to have the capability to make that happen. And I love the building that we're in. It feels like home and we spend enough time here that it should feel like home. Um, when we hired our first employee, I wasn't sure I wasn't confident that we would be able to make that work financially. And I took the risk knowing that if we didn't take the risk, it would never work out. So taking risks is important. You have to step out there and do it. Um, and if you wait until you feel like all of your ducks are in a row, there's always going to be that stray duck that wanders off and gets you off track. Right, right. That, that's great advice. Both of those very, very good advice. And with regard to growth, growth off, oftentimes growth is not, um, growth comes in many forms. I mean, just mm -hmm. because you can grow, but your growth doesn't have to look like other people's growth, right? So right, you right. a lot, but your growth doesn't necessarily look like, you know, a, a high rise office building with 10 lawyers working for you. That's not what your growth looks like. Your growth looks different than other people's growth. Your revenue can grow. Your firm can grow. You personally can grow. There's a lot of things that can, you know, that can grow. And, and you know, you can choose that and have it look different than what other people have, you know? so. And that's one of the, the things that I found so helpful about business coaching is that there are other ways of doing this. And have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? And it's so valuable to get um, that independent, objective perspective um, that challenges us as business owners to look at things differently. Um, because you're right, my, my firm has grown tremendously. We're still in the same small office. I think if I had to drive up into a skyscraper with a parking garage, et cetera, that just wouldn't feel like what we you. want our firm to be. Right. Right. It wouldn't fit your, it wouldn't fit your personality at all. Not a bit. No. Plus I get dizzy driving around the parking garage. So. <laughs> well, you're like me too. You like that natural light. You got to have yeah. that natural light <laughs> and that, that standing desk and. <laughs> and something to... that feels homey and, and inviting because they're everybody that comes to our firm, unless they're, getting married and looking for a prenup agreement, um, everybody is going through a very stressful, difficult, disappointing time. 
And mm-hmm. so we like for it to be inviting and comfortable and low key um, so that people will feel comfortable in this environment and, and have confidence in us. Right. Right. So um, tell us how we can find you on the interwebs. You can find us online at www.arcarolawgroup.com, and that's A-R-C-A-R-O lawgroup.com. Our phone number is 954-626-3380. Okay, terrific. Well, I really appreciate you being here today. I always love our conversations, and I hate that uh, this one has to be so short and we're running out of time today, but I'm really glad that you were here and um, shared so much, uh, particularly, I love the conversation about the international child abduction cases, and I, I think everybody will learn a lot just listening to that part of our conversation alone. So thanks so much for being here and sharing with us. Well, thanks again for having me, Davina. As always, our time, uh, time chatting just flew by. I know, I know. Thank you again. The Solo to CEO podcast is sponsored by D. Frederick Media and Marketing and the Solo to CEO system. We help professional women entrepreneurs transform from solos to CEOs of high-impact, high-revenue-generating businesses while reclaiming their time and creating the lifestyle of their dreams. If you are ready to skyrocket your revenue, cultivate a crackerjack team, and set up systems and automation to get your firm running like a well-oiled machine so you can focus on the highest and best use of your time, then you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Six Shifts to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at law.solotoceo.biz webinar.